0: Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermercado Bros Video Game Music Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Is that ever true today? My name is Carl Brueggemann.
0: And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. I'm getting some real chill vibes from uh, this play-in oh, yeah. track today. I have a feeling this is going to be a really
1: special episode. Oh my goodness, is it ever! You know, every once in a while we take suggestions for episodes just from our overall community. Um, we obviously have a feature on Patreon uh, where you know we're able to do that. But this episode, sometimes was... we're generous and we'll do it anyway. <laughs> well, especially because it was such a, an amazing idea that we we did kind of have in the back burner. We took this idea from our NeoGaf forums. We have a thread on there that's updated every week and. And so we were really excited to commit to do this this season. And I got to say that I don't know why it took us so long to to do a spotlight on Nier because this soundtrack is absolutely phenomenal. It's just one of the most beautiful and well-crafted and consistent soundtracks in, in, in recent memory. I just, I'm absolutely... In love with it, so I can't wait to share this music today.
0: Completely. Uh, It's interesting. It it seems like so many episode topics we frequently describe as long overdue. Uh, I think that's great, though, that this many years into the show, we're still doing things that feel essential. Uh, Carl, how long ago was this soundtrack brought to our attention, would you say?
1: Oh, man, I don't even know. I would say maybe three years ago. Yeah, it's possible. Around then, I remember first hearing. So that just goes to show, you know, if you want the Marcado brothers to
0: do something, just it give takes them three, three years. years. Yeah, it's a gestational period.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no, I I remember the I I heard the track "Grandma." That was the first thing I heard, and I was right, just I remember uh, that so blown away, and you know, obviously got the soundtrack and fell in love with it and. Not to say that I forgot about it, but for whatever reason, we just, we didn't uh, spotlight on it. I mean, we've played a decent amount of music on the podcast, even with our recent episode with Aiden, he brought in a track. So we've definitely, it's come up before, but I just, I can't wait to dive into this. Um, One thing that I do want to mention, we thought a lot about should we make this on near as well as the, the very recent sequel near automata, but we decided to just make this on the first game because it definitely warrants its own spotlight. I mean, we had to cut some amazing tracks in order to, to whittle this playlist. So I think we should just get into it. Does that sound good? That sounds fair. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're going to move on to the next track. The first thing you guys heard playing in was repose from near and, uh, Yeah, I guess before we we play, we we should say a couple things. This game was released in 2010 for the PS3 and Xbox 360, and we have some composers here. The lead composer on this game is a gentleman by the name of Kaichi Okabe. He did an amazing job, as well as his partners Kakeru Ishihama, Keigo Hoashi, and Takafumi Nishimura. The last name that we have to mention is, of course, Emmy Evans, who provides vocals for the majority of the score. So we're going to hear Emmy all over the place today. Let's take a listen to the next track on our playlist. It's Snow in Summer from Near. You guys are listening to Snow in Summer from Near, And um, this track features an entire choir. Whether or not it was... It was maybe just emmy doing all the voices or or a few people it's hard to say um but yeah most of the vocal sound you get in the soundtrack is more of an intimate solo vocal with maybe like piano or guitar so it is cool that every once in a while they change it up and there's there's a few tracks that have this choral sound before we get into the overall um tone of of the soundtrack well what are your thoughts on this track just as a piece of choral music well, the
0: gloves are off. I mean, holy crap. They are not kidding around. This this soundtrack is the real deal. It sure is. Uh, what I so love about this piece, it almost has the sound of a children's chorus. Um, I don't know if it actually is children or if it's just you know one female vocalist, but it's all sung with a uh, straight tone, which means no vibrato, which in the choral tradition is something that is reserved for certain kinds of music, and I think in a piece like this, it really has the effect of almost sounding like a choir of children's voices. It's very angelic and this pure sound, but I mean, wow, to start off the episode today, like, just the level of emotional sophistication and intensity is really on display. I mean, there's some harmonies here Mm -hmm. and chords that we do not get in a lot of video game music, Uh, highly sophisticated things that I think would be incredibly notable if they were pieces of choral concert music. I mean, there's this passage of really twisted, diminished chords and a lot of those kind of tone clusters that we mm-hmm. might associate
1: with modern choral music. It's really beautiful. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. Yeah, if there's any of our listeners out there who aren't familiar with the soundtrack to Near, just brace yourself because it's, it's going to get really heavy today. I mean, there's some tragic music here. But the one thing that I'll say is that it does give you hope. Um, it's not its not a kind of tragic feeling that leaves you just feeling like, oh, what am I going to do? It leaves you kind of wanting more. There are definitely really sad pieces of music that it's kind of sad in a good way. Like it's, it's, you're almost in awe of the beauty of it. And that's the vibe that we're going to get a lot today. And we're going to get some stuff that's not straight up sad. I mean, we're going to get some stuff that's maybe a little bit more kind of video gamey. Straight up sad. Straight <laughs> up sounds like sad. a good album name. But anyway, yeah, just you guys are in store for some amazing music. All right, let's move on. We're gonna now move on to a track that we'll change things up a little bit. This one has a little bit more of a drive to it, some some rhythmic intensity okay, here. Okay. Very beautiful. This is Hills of Radiant Winds from Near. <laughs> You guys are listening to Hills of Radiant Winds. This is from Nier. The lead composer is Kaichi Okabe and company. And Emmy Evans, we're, we're now hearing on this track, performing vocals. She also wrote the lyrics for the score. And I guess we should probably get into this, uh, open this can of worms here. You guys are going to notice it a lot today. Emmy did some really unique and inventive things with the lyrics of this game. Um, now, there's one particular track. I believe it's Song of the Ancients, which is... One of our favorites, one of the most well-known, is completely made-up. Uh, it, it's, it's her own made-up language. But I believe for most of the tracks, it's not entirely made-up. She actually is taking some sort of existing language and manipulating it as if, as if... I think the idea of the game, since it takes place in the future... I was reading an interview with her. The idea is that what would this particular language sound like in thousands of years? Isn't, isn't that a cool idea? That is really clever. Uh, so, we're going to hear that today.
0: That, see, that's the level of attention in craft that doesn't often go into the compositional side of music that accompanies media, but those are the kinds of choices that can really help to reinforce the world. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, you know, a few famous examples in the film world. Um, Howard Shore, in some of his scores for the Lord of the Rings films, when he has chorus and orchestra, uh, sometimes they're actually singing in Elvish. Um, But I I don't know, a lot of times things like that seem to be, just seem to be like Easter eggs that you can appreciate once you know they're there. But I love about something like this, because that vocal line is so front and center uh i i think the average gamer is a little bit more aware of the language than they might normally be and maybe to them it sounds like any other foreign language that uh they're unfamiliar with but i think that level of detail really gives a uniformity to the overall experience and i just think it's cool when music can do that
1: well it also it adds another element of the uniqueness when you hear near there's something it's like nothing else you've really ever heard before and i remember that when i was listening to some of the early tracks is i, I kind of heard that that combination where oh is this japanese is this french i wasn't quite right. sure what it was you knew that it it was it sounded familiar but it also sounded 100% fresh cuz what's so
0: fun about that it's like almost scoring the game with Imaginary music That could actually Exist within this world Sure Uh, It's this interesting Balance Uh, There's a term Diegetic Versus non-diegetic Music That comes up In different types Of media Basically it just means Like is it score That's just for the listener Or is it music That is meant To actually exist Yeah Yeah, In in the world itself What's interesting here Is um, You know They're not taking Real pop songs But they're imagining This world in the future And almost creating songs In that world Imagining what it could possibly sound like Yeah
1: and there are a lot of songs In the soundtrack Like sung pieces of music That feature vocals And a very sparse instrumentation That's by and large um, Kind of the classic near sound And we're going to move on to You might say you know A song like a Brian Wilson Or (laughs) Beach Boys It's very Beach Boys Let's let's just bring up Beach Boys In every episode Every single episode So Ah. we'll commit to that uh, so, yeah, we're going to move on to one of our favorites. Um, this I could almost kind of see as like a proof of concept of like the musical direction that this game goes in. Um, just like, you know, it's it's near prime here. This is, once again, uh, the lead composer is Kaiche Okabe. We also have Kakero Ishihama, Kaigo Hoashi, and Takafumi Nishimura. Let's take a listen to Song of the Ancients, Devola." <laughs> You're listening to "Song of the Ancients," Devola. We're going to play a different version of this melody in a little bit here. This is performed by Emmy Evans, and if you guys are curious to hear maybe more of, of some of our specific thoughts on this track. We've played it before on the podcast and really gone into detail what we thought of her voice and, you know, just her tone, the way she's adding. There's a lot to be said about that. I think today we we probably want to focus more on the overall sound of, of, of Nier and what is unique about it and how this ties into the whole musical scope. Absolutely. I am very
0: taken by this melody. There's... A few distinct moments that have uh, a lushness and an evocative quality of a different era. Um, sure. That era may be in the future, but to me, I'm definitely reminded of, I guess you could say, like a golden era, you know, American songwriting. Yeah, a lot of Think American of, vibes here. You know, people like uh, Richard Rodgers and Kurt Vile. Brian Wilson, the Beach <laughs> Boys. No, 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 to me, but like... Particularly, like, a jester, a like, yada, yada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you have this little bit of, uh, you know, this minor second rub against each other, and then this large leap, and there's hinting at some chromaticism. And it's really very lovely.
1: I hear, uh, and this makes total sense, knowing that you know they were trying to make this thing that sounded like it was futuristic, this melding of a bunch of different things. I hear this this melding of a lot of different styles of music. Obviously, s- some Western influence with some show tune stuff, even like some uh, sometimes bordering on like Disney music, like some Alan sure. Menken vibes here. Yeah. And that's um, part of that also, same
0: tradition, you know?
1: Also with, you know, there's, there's Japanese traditional folk music influence and Japanese film right. music and pop music and all of those things coming together. These composers, especially, we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit at the end of the episode once we've heard everything, but these composers just knocked it out of the park. I will say that if this is a, a recurring team, of composers i cannot wait to hear um obviously we're gonna we'll have we'll have that inevitable sequel episode but in addition to that i just can't wait to hear what else these uh these people are gonna do next for sure and i
0: love that yeah it just has a splash of some of those influences
1: you know it doesn't yeah.
0: feel like a pastiche in any sense uh but it, it just has a, a sumptuousness that uh, Definitely doesn't make it sound, you know, like the norm for, say, video game music or modern pop music or anything like that. There's a timeless quality about it, yet it doesn't feel like it's imitating any specific genre i mean that's an incredibly difficult thing to achieve even if you're just focusing on writing a good song the fact that it has to serve a a video game score it's almost serendipitous you know I, i imagine they they uh came upon that perfect amalgamation just out of necessity for the game but subsequently they found a really bold and timeless musical aesthetic i think
1: well, we're going to move on to something very different. This one's a little bit more experimental. The only thing I want to say to set this one up is this track features a pretty unique use of the vocoder. So pay attention to that. Be on the lookout. This is The Wretched Automatons from near. One more time, just because they deserve it, I'm going to list all the composers on this project. You guys listening to the Wretched Automatons, composers are Keiichi Okabe, Kakeru Ishihama, Kaigo Hohashi, and Takafumi Nishimura. So, so good. They really brought their A-game. And again, Emmy Evans here, just kind of taking things to the next level. So much going for this piece of music. Um, you know, kind of with her coming in near the end uh, at least from the snippet that we heard just elevating it that much further god it's just so flipping good yeah you know what i love is since this is such a song driven
0: score there's this emphasis on melody and mel- and melodic oh, yeah. writing that you know it we don't necessarily get in every game uh, and it's what makes this, even if it is distinct, it feels like it's part of that lineage, that timeline of game music progression. You know, this mm-hmm. has almost like the blood and the DNA of the classic eight and, bit, 8 and 16 bit, you know, RPG days. You get that sense of uh, unabashedness in terms of the harmony and just. Uh, mm-hmm. Complete earnest emotional expression yet. It's with these really clever and super hip uh, Production techniques. I mean that vocoder when that just came in it blew my mind I just thought what a really clever and innovative way of scoring I mean here we're talking about automatons, uh, I really don't know anything about this game, so it's just conjecture on my part, but it definitely conveys the same images that uh, the title of the track does, and I just think that was a yeah. really clever use of that and the fact that it can all tie back around into this riff it's that amazing. can be underneath yeah, I mean, a song I was so really not expecting So it's possible
1: that. that they took some vocoder samples and then manipulated that into like a sequenced arpeggio but yeah that in and of itself is a really cool instrument choice the chords are so beautiful her vocals come in and then when like the industrial drum beat comes back and it comes full right. circle it I don't know in, in a lot of ways this soundtrack really does spoil you because you get A lot of vocals but the way that they treat vocals in near is so unique it's such a breath of fresh air no pun intended because yeah like you said it's so melodic and all of the melodies are very very catchy like a lot of these are going to stick in your head like a lot of these melodies were in my head this entire week you know what i think is funny it's almost like they hacked the system if they would have delivered this same score
0: but with an orchestra instead of vocals and produced in this style i think it would have been rejected. Hmm. Not to say that uh, the music isn't innately great, but I think we're in an era where um, people are very sensitive to production and sound and aesthetic. Yeah, And having vocals was honestly a way to have a more pure kind of expression and it it was done up in this really clever way but like i said there's there's something incredibly timeless about this too i really don't see this as being music that's going to date itself um or ever sound old because it doesn't sound like any specific time and place in general like i think this is going to sound the same in 10 years and
1: 15 years and a hundred years i mean it's uh it's really marvelous it's just phenomenal we're gonna move on to a track that has a similar kind of balance of some slight uh, for some reason like industrial metallic sounds some futuristic vibes as well as some very kind of humble human vibes that emmy is actually providing here so a really cool combination it's so near it's so beautiful this is city (laughs) so near (laughs) city of commerce You guys are listening to city of commerce this is maybe one of my favorite examples of emmy's contribution to uh this soundtrack obviously the game was composed by those other composers and she is just performing here but the way that her voice gels with the the whole palette is is just so appealing all she's really doing in this track is just a A-da. Of those harmonized chord right. stabs It's just exactly what you need To give a little bit of kind of human expression well, And it this. fits into the groove In a really satisfying
0: uh, mm-hmm. way uh, I, I like things like that Where you can tell it was um, Almost composed out of order Like they, they imagined that line first And then had to go through the process Of you know recording it vocally I think sometimes um, when you think about either orchestral music or really anytime you're writing for acoustic instruments uh there is an emphasis on writing idiomatically for them and trying to do Mm -hmm. something that seems intuitive for those instruments not that this isn't intuitive but it almost seems like an instrumental or a synth line that was developed and then given uh over to being a a vocal line i I don't know I think that's super cool.
1: We're going to move on to, like we said, another version of the Song of the Ancients. This is Song of the Ancients' Popola. And what this is, is it's kind of more of a tripped out atmospheric version. Uh, You still get some similar instruments. Like I think there still is some acoustic guitar here, but there's a lot of interesting like effects and maybe even slight like synths going on here. So it's a different take on this. Let's take a listen. (laughs) Listening to "Song of the Ancients," this is the Popola version, uh, which is which is nice to listen to after the Divola. I'm really glad that we're able to play both of these to, on today's playlist. Um, I think the melody is beautiful enough that it warrants it. And there there is a lot of this stuff that happens in the score where you hear like different versions of the same melody multiple times, and sometimes they use the same recording. This is the same vocal performance, I believe, the same take. Um, and it's almost like a remix Uh, and what I think is cool about that is they're giving it different context the way that they're I'm um, kind of softening the blow of the chord changes and having yeah. some more dissonances and some mm-hmm. more notes that are breathing over the whole thing. It definitely changes the context. Will, what do you think about this in comparison to the Devola version? I love the new colors that it introduces. It's very ethereal.
0: And I, Carl, I like that you mentioned it sort of obscures the chord changes. I think part yeah. of that obviously has to do with the way that it's voiced and the specific notes that they chose, but a big part of it has to do with that specific timbral uh, synth sound. It almost sounds like a music box, and it has a lot of wet digital reverb on it, um, which is just, honestly, it's such a fitting presentation for this melody. It has this really sweet dreamlike quality to Mm -hmm. it, and I think this presentation really captures that. It almost sounds like music you would encounter in some sort of dream or fantasy like i don't know why but i'm thinking of that that scene in scott pilgrim versus the world where they play the zelda oh, where fairy it goes to P, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's that whole magical sequence like this kind of for reminds sure. me of that type of thing if it were in a
1: film that it would be during a, a dream sequence it's very dreamy for sure we're now going to move on to in my opinion at least so far the most overtly video game me sounding <laughs> track even more than that dorian mode city of commerce track. it's about the same i guess it's about the same it just feels like classic rpg music this is really really good stuff let's take a listen to the prestigious mask from near guys listening to the prestigious mask i guess what i want to focus on with this track is just talking overall on this project uh the amazing production and mixing instrument choice use of really high quality sample libraries mixed with some real performance it's just really polished top tier stuff that will mention before that he doesn't think this is gonna date itself and i think that's true even technically like listening to this now came out in 2000 what was it like 11 I believe I said um 10 I thought 10 it still feels 100% like up to our standards today like this this sounds better than most video game music you hear it's just great well, it's
0: just going for something completely different yeah uh, and it's having and it's really putting faith in the quality of the melodies in the mm-hmm. quality of the music it's not really riding on the coattails of production. Production is used to amplify those elements. Elevate it, And yeah. give, yeah, different context, and to give different context for some of those
1: melodies. And Will, that's exactly how I feel about Emmy Evans, uh, her singing in this score, is she's elevating the emotions. The melodies are already there. They're already beautiful. They're already giving us those building blocks, and she's connecting the dots in a way that is elevating the final product. And that's what happens with the production on this well, track. We have to mention... Uh, just a
0: little bit the folk music Dorian modal influence in this track and why uh, that's such a big part of video game writing and why you describe this as being a video game track. That was Uh, it. We've talked a lot on this podcast actually about the modes and the Dorian mode being probably the most ubiquitous in video games, but just a quick refresher. uh, The modes are a series of scale systems um, that are pretty ancient and go back hundreds and hundreds of years in music history. And the Dorian mode is used all over the place in video games. Um, and I think it's because it has this heroic quality. It's like a you could think of it as a minor key with a major four chord. And it may sound like a small difference, but that major four chord really has this sense of optimism. Yeah. And there's something. And for whatever reason, it's just become. Uh, we talked about it, I think, on our musical cliche episode, which oh, is yeah. how that mode is used, and especially with all those uh, flute-like ornaments. You know, it has that Celtic quality. Well, I think
1: it makes total sense. I mean, if you think about the the context in like movies with kind of that Celtic uh, evoking, like a medieval time, that makes sense because a lot of these games take place in that time. Right. Also, as far as the the major four. It, it makes sense for video games because it's, like you said, triumphant, optimistic, hopeful. That's the emotion that a lot of game composers want to convey in their music to the game player. Um, and Will, I think what you said was all fine and good. You could have just made it a lot easier and said it's just uh, all the white notes from D to D. If you guys <laughs> want to know what Dorian Mode is... Play the white notes from D to D. That's true. Yeah, so basically, the way that the modes
0: work is um, people often talk about it using uh, the C major scale, since that's the easiest to visualize. And through history, that's actually what the modes were. But uh, our normal major scale is called Ionian, and it's Mm -hmm. from C to C, all the white notes. Dorian is from D to D. D to D, D, same white notes. Phrygian, E, Lydian,
1: F. I I just like the idea of from now on, anytime that you you try to mention what Dorian mode is, I'm just going to say. D to D, man. That's all you got to right. say. Well, the reason why
0: we, we don't describe it that way is because when we listen to it, we're um, the context for our ears is that if it sounds major, we're expecting major. And so in Lydian, when there's that raised fourth, it's shocking. And with Dorian, when we hear a minor one chord, we're expecting minor. But when we hear that major four chord, it's the result of a raised sixth yeah. scale degree. It's not, you know, so thinking about it on the notes on the piano... Maybe helpful, but yeah. I think it's also helpful to think about what it is in relation to those other scales. Okay, music theory
1: over. <laughs> oh, God. I thought you were never going to stop talking. <laughs> um, so now we're going to move on to... This is one of my favorites. It's not the most, like, in your face, and it might not be something that you recognize at first, but I had this in the background a lot this week, and I noticed myself going back to this and just kind of playing it on loop because it was so relaxing and pleasing. I just think, again, it has that beautiful combination of... Really solid instrumental production, and then Emmy's vocals just soaring on top of it with her breathy, kind of airy style. I don't know. I just absolutely love the sound here. This is Temple of the Drifting Sands. Are listening to Temple of the Drifting Sand? Will posed an interesting question. We were listening, to this. he's like, What does this sound like? He just stumbled upon it. It just sounds like RPG music, yeah. yeah. This this carries a torch, uh, carries the tradition of something like Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger, you, you know, know having the Final Fantasy, the combination of straight up like jazz pop, like chord language and melodies, mixed with those kinds of like uh, Eastern sounding hand drums and like some tablas and. I don't know. It's just this. It's definitely like an ethnic sound in a broad sense. Or even like a, I don't know. This doesn't sound weird, but like a Brian Wilson kind of. It's uh, very Beach Boys meet, yeah. meets the Beatles, meets the Beatles, meets <laughs> the Parents. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's no, very yeah, Brian yeah, I, I Chrono
0: Trigger is very apt uh, to de- to describe this one because it has that similar uh, vibey sense to it. Uh, some of my some of the best music in Chrono Trigger. Much like this has this melting pot of different cultural influences, where there's a lot of uh, ethnic instruments, you could say, and uh, it's music um, distinctly about time and almost stuck out of time. Uh, and a, a track like this has that same uh, a track like this has that same vagueness to it, where you know you can't quite pinpoint anything in particular. I think that's so brilliant because those are the kinds of Those are the kinds of choices that will make this music last because it doesn't sound like anything else. It can't be associated to a specific, you know, cultural trend uh, that we'll look back and cringe at as being so saccharine or something. Guys, I'm very excited to move on
1: to this week's track of the week. Now, we mentioned this before. We alluded to it. It's Grandma from Nier. Took a lot of time thinking about... You gotta
0: about, love your grandma.
1: Yeah, what should the track of the week be? I, I first kind of focused on the the tracks I wasn't familiar with before and listened to those a lot, and there's some amazing contenders. But when I went back to grandma, I just realized that, like, you can't beat this, not only in the score, but I don't know. I, I would be hard-pressed to find a more beautiful piece of modern video game music in, in recent years. I, I can't think of one. This is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, wonderful vocals by Emmy Evans, I believe, composition by Kaichi Okabe. Let's take a listen to Grandma. spend a little bit more time gushing about emmy evans here uh her voice is amazing i mean part of what makes this so powerful is that her pitch is just flawless she has this way of starting a note um kind of small like with her mouth and then expanding it this kind of uh, sound i think in the past i likened it to like a blooming flower and so all of her notes have that quality But her pitch is so precise. She has this very pretty uh, and pleasing, like, airy kind of tone. Very breathy in a good way. And, yeah, I mean, her voice is just one of the reasons why this score is so powerful. You combine it with, you know, the beautiful composition, it's just you cannot get better than this with as far as modern video games go the other thing that's so masterful we talked about how uh,
0: you know the sense of melody and harmony and production and everything is trying to make it timeless you know it's using these very sophisticated chords that we might associate to music of you know the 30s or 40s Um, yet production wise is it in the future because it's using synths but it also uses acoustic instruments but her vocal style you could say the same thing about right it, I guess it sounds modern in the fact that, you know, it's not classical. She's not singing with loads of vibrato. But it doesn't sound like any modern uh, singing aesthetic. And it also doesn't sound like it's imitating anything. Like, it's completely. Unique, I I imagine, because she strikes me as someone incredibly thoughtful, the fact that uh, she would go to those lengths to kind of mutate a language. I I think she really got into the idea of trying to imagine what a singer would sound like, you know, in a few hundred years or something. Because Well, it seems like it
1: was meant to be, because not only did she spend a lot of time you know working on that and and that was a good idea she happens to be a very uniquely beautiful vocalist in her own right like even if that decision wasn't made and it was all in japanese or all in you know english or whatever it still would be beautiful because she has just this very unique voice that is just very moving and so I think it was just a match right. made in heaven for her to do that I, if I'm not mistaken heavenly. does this not sound like some sort of tweaked version of French to you Will uh, it really does uh, hmm. okay. altered altered French you altered could say. French <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Sub>. <laughs> this is French with a flat nine well, well they talk about you know they talk about old English and middle English and everything well this is future
1: French alright alright let's 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 keep going here that was amazing it's really tough to beat that I,
0: it's so yeah I mean we we could that's a, a type of piece that I really think you could dissect and spend a whole episode just going through all of the musical moments another
1: it. shout out we have played this on the podcast so if you if you're curious google on our site you can search uh, just search grandma and this will come up and you can hear us give you know our previous thoughts. Yeah, on or it, just yeah. Google Grandma. I'm I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> it'll it'll definitely come up within the top ten thousand pages. Okay, now we're gonna move on to a piece of music called "The Ultimate Weapon." Let's take a listen. So these uh, men and women are not effing around here. Just some of the... I, I'll, I'll say it again, man. This is some of the best video game music that you will hear uh, this day and age. This is just top tier. It really spoils you. Uh, I, I think someone on our Discord channel, we were talking about this. It might have even been Aiden, because he, you know, he was on that recent Favorites with Friends, saying that this is kind of closely becoming his second favorite soundtrack behind Gravity Rush, and I can yeah. really understand that. I mean, there's nothing else like it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we should probably also take this time to plug our Discord channel, the Mercado channel. To do it. Uh, that's been just a great resource for us to communicate with all of you. Um, I definitely uh, I feel bad because I've been really busy these last few weeks and I haven't been mm-hmm. able to be as active on it as you are. But once once but your semester coming yeah. up, so I'm gonna have nothing better to do than to talk to you guys all the time.
1: Awesome, guys! Yeah, guys, look forward to that. Look forward to, to pestering Will me All day and summer, night. right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but gosh, this is beautiful. I love Emmy Evans' voice. I, it almost seems unfair that we keep talking about her and not the composers. But there is something <laughs> about her voice that just like, I mean damn the just the moment that she starts singing i'm just my heart is in her hands it, yeah. this is a track compositionally it feels very japanese uh um japanesey just the use of some of those uh harmonies of hitting on fourths and fifths and everything and i don't know the i guess piano with vocals and a very reverby sound
1: Uh, It sounds like things we've heard before but man is it beautiful. I just can't get enough of the soundtrack I'm gonna coin uh, use a term I coined last week amazingly good Amazingly great. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly good. It's is that goodly. where we are at with the
0: English language where we've run out <laughs> we've run out of hyperbole
1: that we just have to start adding words together? I would say it's goodly amazing is actually goodly more accurate. amazing. So we're going to move on to two pieces of music that have multiple different iterations. Uh, the next track is called Dispossession, and there's a piano version, a strings version, some others. We're going to play the strings version. I think you guys are going to be blown away by how beautiful this is. This is Dispossession from Near.
0: listening to dispossession the strings version this incredibly elegiac piece uh it's just so incredibly moving really remarkable string orchestra writing here uh I mean the the harmonies themselves are very tender and have uh, a, a tragedy to them, uh, but also some hopefulness, like Carl said in the beginning there's there's sadness, but uh, with a tint of almost heroism or overcoming uh, the challenge and, and you, you hear that that almost juxtaposition of those two emotions in a track like this, but I just so love the string writing, each voice. Uh, is moving in a very natural way. By no means would you say it's contrapuntal, um, but it it Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't just sound like block chords or anything.
1: Well, and what I enjoy, and I don't remember if it was this one or the next one, is when you listen to the piano version and the string version, it's almost identical. All the parts are there, and it works. It's crazy. You guys should listen to this whole score. It's crazy how well... Uh, these tracks work for all the different Instrumentation this the string performance Is nice too this is performed by The Dai Sensai Moroya Strings right. group and I was Looking on VGMDB and they're actually uh, Perform uh, a string Group that performs on tons of video game Soundtracks so well, it's almost an, a, really an cool.
0: adage About a great composition That you know if the piece is really Fantastic and complete the Process of orchestration is really Just simply being a copyist Yeah um, if the idea is really strong and solid and um, satisfying from all the different perspectives uh, you really don't right. need anything more than what was already there
1: now we're going to move on to yona and this is a very beautiful melody that's going to come back near the end of the episode if i'm not mistaken so beautiful one of those melodies that feels familiar like oh i've always grown up with this even though you haven't very pure and beautiful. This is Yona piano version. And then later on, uh, we'll fade up. I actually made a mix where we get to hear just a little bit of the strings version of this as well. Let's take a listen. guys listening to yona piano version holy moly this is beautiful um one of the reasons it feels so familiar is because it has that classic progression like will what what were you saying about this uh when we were playing this
0: well a lot of times you know with with jazz musicians um To indicate a chord progression They'll name a popular song That uses the same progression So uh, you know like rhythm changes Is a common uh, Almost like song form that Takes the chords from I've Got Rhythm And the same with the chords to Autumn Leaves And this almost sounds like Autumn Leaves But this is like the Japanese Video game version of it With different chord substitutions Right
1: when I hear that progression for some reason It reminds me of like a music box There must have been some music box as well, a think, kid that i had that well just i also think part of it simple. is
0: the role of sequence
1: uh the progression itself
0: uh, it's hard to say what emotions or ideas it specifically conjures but i think it's the idea of
1: having a melody that's taken uh so strictly through that sequence especially and then a- right here guys take a listen to uh the strings you're hearing just a little bit of the strings And again, that's kind of what I was talking about with that last track where the writing is pretty much exactly the same. And this isn't like a huge ensemble. This is just like a string, probably like a small chamber group on, on strings here, but Oh my goodness. Is this beautiful? Yeah, very much. So a really gorgeous melody and those exquisitely
0: lush harmonies that we come to expect from JRPG music. Um, it's really, it's own wonderful tradition. Uh, you know, part of the goal of this show was to take game music seriously and oh, to really? discuss all of the elements. No, seriously, but to discuss all of the elements of uh, music from games with the same level of care and attention that people talk about, you know, other popular songs or yeah, classical that's very true. music or jazz.
2: Because
0: it deserves uh, it. It deserves that. And so, I don't know. I'm hopeful that someday, maybe in 50 years or 100 years, people will look back on a score like this with the same kind of inquisitive reverence that they would have towards a piece of classical music. One can only hope. It's just, it's so exciting to live at the same time as composers like this and to know that music of this quality is still being written. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that should be endlessly inspiring to those of us who uh, try to pursue a craft of being a composer
1: musician and that's definitely a word that i would describe the soundtrack inspiring it's just endlessly inspiring amazing stuff all right so this is all well and good but you know we've been kind of having these very slow soft somber pieces it's time to battle what's the title of our next track (laughs) title the next track is the dark colossus destroys all here we go okay i take back everything i said guys listening to the dark colossus destroys all from near um yeah this is a nice change of pace uh there were a few more examples of this kind of energy that we didn't get to include in the playlist uh i mean big shocker we included maybe the most beautiful melodies (laughs) and a lot of those were more stripped down um, but yeah, no, this is an important... It's just
0: our bias.
1: I, don't, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, the majority is that, and I would say most people's like favorite tracks from the score are going to be those, those tracks, so it makes sense. But yeah, no, this is a good other kind of energy to also be represented uh, from near, And this is amazingly well done in its own way, you know? Well, not only the high energy,
0: but the more uh, ambitious in terms of scope and size of trying to replicate a full orchestra and chorus, and with uh, what I imagine was a smaller budget. Um, you know, something like this, while it may be great, it's not necessarily going to hold up as much as some of the, the songs will. Uh, well, I think there's a reason for
1: that because right. I think the budget that they had uh, they were able to really nail those small ensembles and be as intricate and precise as they could where with the big thing you can kind of tell here that that it's not as big budget as this epic orchestral choir sound maybe should be like what would be in like a film right I still like that they're using the same tools though uh,
0: it's really nice that they're not it's really nice that you still kind of get the sound of that Emmy Evans vocal stuff just overdubbed, and when it comes to the quasi-orchestral sound, I I almost get the sense that they're using some of the same tools that they were to using the small stuff. Well,
1: I'm a big fan of the uniqueness of the soundtrack, because when you hear a track like that, Dark Colossus, there's really nothing wrong with it. It feels like good, modern orchestral music, but I think that's just... It's a a testament to how wonderful the songs are is because they stay with you in a way that uh, that kind of climactic epic music doesn't. Well, and I do think it is all cohesive because there's
0: something about the aesthetic that uh, is retained from track to track. I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it's just the fact that they have vocals um it might be you know even the kind of reverb that they're using yeah the or mixing the production yeah since but yeah there, there there is this cohesiveness uh because i mean honestly there are, when it comes to using virtual instruments i mean if you want to make something epic you can make something that doesn't sound any worse than this that sounds a heck of a lot more epic and i think it would sound a bit more stock and a bit more Uh, Tried out You know If they were using Storm drum Tyco drums For instance You know That would be one way Of getting an epic sound But that's a thing That we've heard You know Too many times That that's kind of Its own cliche So I really like that Even though In terms of intensity They're going for Something larger Uh, when you actually dig into the instrumentation and
1: what's happening, it it still actually feels like this chamber ensemble. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited to move on to this. It's another song, so we're going to go back to the very soft, beautiful... World of Near here, and actually, I believe this was a melody that was featured on that uh, favorites with Aiden. I don't think we played that song of the Ancients. We played uh, Kane, and this is a different version. This is Kane Salvation. I believe. Oh, we I played... thought it was German. I was reading it as Kaina. Maybe, maybe it's hard to say. Uh, we played the Escape version on that episode. This is Salvation version. Really beautiful stuff. It takes a little bit of time for Emmy to come in, but once she does, she kills it. Here we go. You guys are listening to Kane or Kine, Salvation. Kine. Performed by Emmy Evans. We're not sure what language this is manipulating. Maybe like Icelandic or or something. It sounds like some sort of Nordic language,
0: but she's almost having an American accent with it. I Uh, I remember this. That's my best way of describing it. it. Yeah, it's some... <laughs> Crazy future language
1: That's And awesome. I remember this melody From our favorites With friends episode This is a beautiful melody uh, One more time We have to mention The composers The lead composer Is Kaiche Okabe Bang up job As well as uh, Assisted by Kakiro Ishihama Kaigo Hoashi And Takafumi Nishimura So Round of applause Well let's just Let's give these composers A round of applause here Okay Let's move on to a melody that we've heard before. This, I believe, is the melody from that Yona track. This is Dance of the Evanescent. You guys listening to Dance of the Evanescent and Will just started howling in laughter. I'm not sure why Will, uh, were you laughing at me or were you laughing at this track?
0: I was definitely laughing at you. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, well, cause... I think we both started uh, <laughs> doing these odd little percussive
1: things once this
0: track became a I did a Boom waltz.
1: Chicky Chick is what I landed on. Well, I gotta say, I,
0: I love this melody. I, I love how earnest and unabashed it is, uh, but it's just hard to go from some of the really subtle, clever stuff to something <laughs> yeah. that um, is, I think... Uh, I don't want to sound mean, but I
1: think to a lot could come across as being kind of cheesy. Saccharine, Um, maybe. Yeah. Can I say one thing? This is very reminiscent to some theme in La La Land. I don't know. There's there's, there's some theme that has a very similar uh, chord progression and melody to this. Which is just kind of interesting. I mean, this came first, so... <laughs> well, and with La La Land, I mean, there, there is a lot of older music that it's,
0: it's trying to evoke. Yep. Uh, this kind of progression happens all over the place in popular, you know, old jazz standards and stuff. Um, and so we already talked about that melody being this melody of sequence that feels very inevitable. Yeah. Um, but like, when you hear it in this uh, orchestral waltz presentation, <laughs> there is something very light and youthful and uh, almost silly about it. I-, I don't know its context in the game, but... Part of me almost wonders if there's a tongue-in-cheek quality, but mm-hmm. maybe we're looking at it wrong. I mean, I, I think it's just in context with some of the other stuff we've heard. You know, if we were just doing a track of any other kind of video game tunes, we would hear that and be like, what a gorgeous melody. That's what true. What beautiful orchestration. I think it's like we're expecting this kind of techno future hodgepodge, and mm-hmm. by getting something that so overtly sounds like it's from the past um maybe it's just at odds with that
1: but i'm really glad that there are those moments too because i think it's it changes it up you know it spices well, it up if i'm being honest that's the kind of thing that i'll be remembering and humming yeah, absolutely you know, man once we're done recording
0: yeah that's
1: gonna be in my head well now we're gonna move on to another beautiful uh track that features the daisensei moroya strings so let's take a listen to emile sacrifice You guys are listening to Emil Sacrifice from Nier. And this one was a, a real joy because this one, in my opinion, featured a lot more overt classical influence um, in the way that the vocal line was written and some of the harmonies and uh, just, you know, the overall writing. It felt a lot more like strictly classical than some of the other pieces. I mean, there's some modern uh, injection that we hear a little bit, but not as much Absolutely. as uh, you know a lot of those other songs not as jazzy. Well I think the chord language is is a big
0: part of it. Um yeah, it's not necessarily jazzy, but it's it's not Harmonies that would exist in the Classical world per se Maybe you know like late late 1800s Early 20th century But I think also the vocal performance Is completely Completely different than anything you would ever get In classical music but it's
1: this Kind of amazing thing when you look at the Evolution of all that stuff Uh, Yeah I think I was mostly talking About there's this section that happens just after A minute like about 105 or so And it's this section uh where it kind of feels like it's going into this, like, classical run. And I think it's it's really beautiful. And it, that moment was definitely uh, a new moment for me. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That was not something I've heard explored. But you're right. Yeah, the the, the main A uh, melody is definitely, uh, it's much more modern. Well, and I think what's cool is, like, this kind of singing, this mixture
0: of a piece with this, uh, you know, sophistication, um... It's something that is distinct uh to really the last like twenty or thirty years you could say, sure, uh, because like a piece like this couldn't have been written in the classical era because uh, I don't know their um rules about harmony in everything, and for a performance like this it it's really kind of like a post you know, big band era, post-show tune, (laughs) like vaudeville, everything. It's post-show tune for sure. It's post-grunge. Well, no, it's like this kind of singing and popular song didn't really start emerging until like the late 70s, early
1: 80s. I I personally think that it's, it's a better way to hear this kind of music with this style. It's very kind of straight and... I don't know, like I get distracted when I hear the classical style of singing, well, it's youthful, it sounds like a it sounds like a little kid, yeah, like i I'm just will knows this about me, I'm not a fan of like the classical style of singing i don't I don't think that's a good way to like be introduced to a melody i feel like it's too distracting it's too selfish it's like it's all about the vocalist and like what they're doing and it's not like servicing the music in the same way that like a beautiful oboe solo in some symphony it's just it's servicing the music and in a beautiful way and there's something that i get when i hear like classical singers it just it doesn't feel like they're working with the music it feels like it's like Trying to show off or something. That, that just might be me. Well,
0: I think it depends. I think it depends on the vocalist. I think mainly what you're talking about is uh, the use of uh, vibrato right at the oh, outset yeah. and like the kind of vibrato. But I think, I, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of performers don't use vibrato in what I would consider a tasteful or musical way. And a lot of performers use it to obscure pitch. Oh, but yeah. When you hear a really good singer singing with the full supported tone that has motion, there's nothing better I mean like When you actually hear A really good
1: Opera singer Like it, There's no substitute For that kind of sound I and would I disagree think... I mean I think it's a taste that I've I've heard Amazing opera singers I don't It's not It's not for me I, I don't It's too wide Like I would I would take Emmy Evans Any day over the best opera singer I'm not saying That one should be Competing with the other I just happen to Find one much more Pleasing to listen to Than the other well, I think I think you're not
0: alone, and I mean the the trends and style have definitely have obviously completely <laughs> yeah. gone in that favor. But the thing to say though. Uh the last thing that I would say, though, is that I think really amazing singers can do all of it. It's not like sure. somebody's born sounding one way. It's it's all a matter of what you learn. And the really good singers that are successful, even if they're singing in this style, they do have to learn how to actually support their tone. And a lot of the things from the classical world in terms of how they teach voice are a result of... Uh, that classical
1: style and and that's really a important. great point point. and i think a good vocalist will have that that versatility and actually that reminds me at time of recording last night i went to uh to see wolfpack actually in minneapolis which was a huge moment for me they're my favorite band and there actually is this moment in one of the recent songs called aunt leslie which features uh, Antoine on vocals and he actually goes into this operatic style of singing and he really nails it and it's a really impressive moment it's used for comedic effect because it's kind of this like over the top almost like Italian kind of like uh, gangster kind of feel so sure. it's really cool when a vocalist can do justice to to a bunch of different traditions of singing so alright before we nerd out I'll too much. I also think much. it's about the style you know like if you're if
0: you're singing music from the 1700s and you sing it like this it just sounds wrong right but if you sing music written in this style with a lot of vibrato it sounds wrong yeah
1: Will, you should check out that song uh, aunt leslie like it's it's really cool it's like i think it's kind of near the end he goes into this part he's like what have you done and it's like super dramatic <laughs> it's really fun all right let's move on to okay we're gonna go back to the choral sound that we got in snow and summer It's cool to go back to that. This is Shadow Lord from (laughs) Nier. Listening to Shadow Lord from Near, and this is really beautiful. I I was glad that they went back to the sound. Now we're getting the church organ as well as the choir. So this uh, I think kind of takes takes it further from uh, the tone that we got in Snow and Summer. I think it's really it's really wonderful that this was a facet that they were interested in expressing in the score of Near. I mean, they definitely didn't have to. They could have just stuck with the you know the more intimate pieces, but I think. It's the perfect way to do something a little bit more serious and heavy uh, and maybe p- potentially like scary uh, it's just hearing like a full choir with a ch- with a church organ there's something very heavy about it um, and I think that's, well, there's like a, that's almost what we like a
0: ritualistic here. religious quality it definitely raises the stakes
1: yes yeah spirituality that's absolutely true all right guys we're gonna move on to the last track of the day here this is ashes of dreams new and i think this is the only track of the day that features um singing in english if i'm not mistaken let's see if she alters english or if she plays it safe here ashes of dreams new featuring emmy evans I'm so in love with Emmy Evans as a vocalist. I just think she has one of my absolute favorite voices that I've been introduced to. Just so beautiful. I can't say enough about the music to near. I mean, right, guys? I mean, wasn't this just amazing? I'm just blown away by the finished product here, the compositions, the arrangements, performance, the production. It's just one of the finest video game soundtracks I I can think of.
0: Yeah, so many beautiful melodies, really um, done with a lot of intention and thought and sincerity. Uh, It's a really special body of work. Uh, Incredible music. The fact that this is for a video game soundtrack is a very lucky thing for this medium, uh, that it is graced by such artistry. You know, I mean, this easily could have been uh, just music on its own or it could have been music for a film but it it, it, uh, it gives a few points in the notch of you know games as art.
1: Well speaking of artistry I mean not since uh, the likes of The Beach Boys have I been moved <laughs> by uh, a piece of music no I'm, I'm just kidding this, this has nothing to do with The Beach Boys at all uh, so, so okay we're going to play you guys well, out. That's where we'll have to agree to disagree but that's for another time <laughs> We're going to play you guys out with a very vibey track Called This Dream from Near. And I can't wait to focus on the sequel. That that's definitely gonna be inevitable because that's That's an amazing score too. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Um Next week we're going to be doing something really fun actually This was something we talked about over a year ago We're actually going to be focusing on the Mario and Sonic At the Olympic Games soundtracks Which are mind-bogglingly amazing like, They feature a lot of like phenomenal remixes of Sega and Nintendo yeah, music What took so long? I don't know
0: I thought we were going to get into this a lot sooner
1: But anyway, that's going to be just some phenomenal mu- uh, classic video game music And we'll be in the same room next time So that'll also be fun That'll be fun very fun, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of cool stuff coming up. Tomorrow is a pretty exciting day. If you've been paying attention for the last four or five months, we've been putting out videos of the Mercado Band right. doing various video game covers. And after many requests, we're finally going to be putting out an album compiling all of those covers. So it'll be 14 tracks in total. And that album will be called Live from the Lair. And we'll be putting that out tomorrow. So pretty exciting. Um, And we're always thinking of new ways to be interactive with you guys. We have our Discord server. Uh, We're also thinking of maybe doing some sort of uh, Google Hangout type live episode type deal at some point, uh, maybe this summer. So we'll keep you guys posted on that. I guess I didn't get the invite for that, so uh, maybe I won't be part of it. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that after. You can follow us on Twitter at Mercado Bros, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube. Our website is SuperMercadoBros.com, and you can uh, leave us a review on iTunes, we'd appreciate that. Thanks so much to all of our patrons for making this show possible. We have a Patreon page and so you guys uh, are just are just the best and like, like we said uh, every once in a while we will take suggestions from our community as a whole from things like our NeoGAF uh, forums and a lot of other places mm-hmm. where people are uh, you know interacting and talking about the podcast so thanks everyone for listening I also wanted to give uh, another plug to
0: Underscore, the uh, sibling podcast on the Marcado Brothers Network that I host with Marty on film music. Yeah. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about the modes today in the Dorian mode, and just last week on Underscore, we did an entire episode on the Lydian mode and its use in film music. What I'll say is what Dorian is to games, Lydian definitely is to film. Oh, yeah. Uh, So... If you guys are curious about that topic or want to know more about the modes, um, you should definitely give that episode a listen of underscore.
1: Only if you're only if you're in that mode though. If you're in that (laughs) mode of uh, listening, oh, you had to do it. Okay, guys. So we're gonna play you out with this dream. This has been this has been a dream. This has been a dream come true. What a beautiful episode. You guys are beautiful. Will, am I beautiful? you're you're pretty good no you're you're beautiful (laughs) uh all right guys I think we're gonna we're gonna hit the road my name is Carl Brueggemann and I'm Will Brueggemann have a great week everyone peace out